I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Today, I've got a very special guest, NBA champion and former center for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Kendrick Perkins. Perk, how's it going? What's going on, Andrew? Hey, look, I'm just taking it one day at a time, man. Try, you know what? I'm trying to maximize each day and trying not to live in the trying to live in the moment in a good way, not let yeah. this coronavirus and this thing that we going through just like, you know, mess up, you know, precious time that you're around your family or whatever you could be doing productive. So I'm trying to find peace, but some positivity and and being stuck in the house, you know? Yep. I hear you. Um, How's your family holding up? Everyone's good. Uh, Of course, kids driving you crazy. Right. (laughs) That's how it is. When you got twins that's three years old, they're going to drive you crazy. But other than that, man, all is well. Um, no complaints whatsoever. Things are, you know, I'm out there torturing my oldest two, you know, drilling them to death. Yeah. Got them waking up at 7 o'clock in the morning, doing chores around the crib. Then I'm putting them through a hard-ass workout later on in the day where they have to go take a nap. So, you know, I'm trying to keep some structure around the Perkins household. I love it. That's great. Let's get into some Thunder content because I think what a lot of people want through this is an escape. You know, we hear the news all day, every day. You turn the TV on, you're hearing about it. But I think uh, some people want to hear your perspective on your time with the Thunder. And so my first question is, uh, you came from the Boston Celtics, veteran-laden team, championship-level team, and then you're traded to Oklahoma City. And so I want to know what your perspective was on the leadership of the team at the time. And then how quickly did you feel like, okay, I need to step in and be a leader on this team? Well, you know, coming the thing is, was that I was a, a 26-year-old. I was still young, mm-hmm. and I, I went from being one of the young guys on the Boston Celtic team to being a vet and a leader and a big brother on the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, when I got there, Serge, Russ, Kevin, James, all those guys were still young in the game and still babies. Mm-hmm. Um so I got there and I was like, man, hold on, man. What am I walking myself into? And this was the time that the Oklahoma City Thunder organization, you know, they had the old practice site, which they changed the a skating ring into a practice facility. Yeah. And, you know, I know when I first got to the first practice, Scott Brooks was like, look, Perk, this is something different over here. We call this the University of Oklahoma because we work hard in here. And I was like, well, I come from hard work, but I didn't know that those guys practiced and competed that the, the way that they did every single day. It's no, it's no, like when I look at Russ, when I look at KD, when I look at James, when I look at Serge, all the success that these guys have had and still having, it don't surprise me because I watched them in the body of work that they put in. So when I got to OKC, man, they instantly fell up under my wing. I embraced each one. And I wanted to bring that and boot to that family-type feeling to the Thunder, and I think I did. I got everyone on the same page. I became pretty much the centerpiece. 
far as the leadership, the voice in the locker room, and I embrace that role on and off the court. Yeah, and talking about Russell, I want to know kind of your first impressions of Russell, and then I want I've always you always look at Russell as one of the more intense guys to play in the NBA. And you also played with Kevin Garnett, who has a similar persona, you know, on and off the court. How do you compare and contrast those two as far as their intensity on and off the court? Well, you can't. They they're the same. Um, when the when the lights come on, they're two different animals. Like you you know you can't teach that with with those two with those two guys got that that tenacity that 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 you know that passion. You can't teach that. Either you have it or you don't. And that's why these guys are hybrids. They're a different type of breed. They're something that we've never seen before in life. It's just that mentality. Mm -hmm. It's the reason the great Kobe Bryant blessed Russell Westbrook with that Mamba mentality. When I first got to Oklahoma City, to be to be honest, Russ and I didn't really hit it off. He was a guy that I had to figure out. I had to, you know, I had to go through a few years with Russ to figure him out. Once I figured him out. I was like, hold on, man. This dude is a, 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 a authentic, great person, period, on and off the court. I figured him out. All he wanted to do was win games and play extremely hard. That's the only thing that's on Russell Westbrook's mind. He has no hidden agendas. He's a winner. He wants to go out there and compete every single night, every single possession. And once I figured that out about Russ, I fell in love with him, man, and he became a little brother of mine. I'm real cool with his family. His family's cool with my family, and I just love him to death. Yeah. What about KG? So KG was traded to the Celtics in 2007. You had been on this young Celtics team for a while, and suddenly you became this veteran Celtics team. What was what was it like, your your first interactions with KG? You know what's crazy is that me, KG and I, we used to go edit. Like, I'm talking about we used to go edit, like, you know, is, can we curse on your podcast? You can. I can. I'll bleep it out. Curse. Come on. Right, yeah. So it was like, mother you, you. Like when he was in Minnesota, nose to nose, yeah. he breathing sweat on me. I'm knocking this out of my face. You know, we we going at it. And then all of a sudden, it's like they get trade. He get traded during the summertime to the Celtics. So I'm like, man. So Doc, like you and Kevin are going to be great. Y'all going to be probably the best the best defensive uh, front back court, I mean front court that we ever seen. And, you know, and not, mind I tell you, when KG got traded, uh, him and I never talked. Like, we never talked on the phone. He never had my number. I never had his. <laughs> so I don't know what to expect. So I just remember I got there like a week and a half right before we left to go to Rome for training camp. Mm-hmm. And I just walked in the locker room. Everyone was there, but I was kind of running late because I was having my first child. And my wife was pregnant. So when I got there, he was like, it was like, hey, what's good? I said, nothing, man. I said, what's happening? He was like, all good. So we just kind of like, we didn't vibe, but we was just like, it is what it is. So, yeah. you know, we played cards with everybody at the table on the seven and eight seven to eight hour uh plane ride to Rome or whatever. But the first day we had practice in the training camp, first day of training camp, well we went at it with the second team. I'm talking about to the point where Doc was like, 
that's the best practice I've ever seen in my in my whole time coaching. You know what? We canceling the second practice today. No second practice, and it was just like how me and KG jail. Yeah. Ever since then, man, we just took off, and like still to this day, that's my big brother. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Uh, so you said that you you didn't gel with Westbrook right away. Who who did you gel with on that Thunder team right away? Well, you know what? I had to figure everyone out. Um, KD and I became real close. Um, me and Serge didn't get off to the best of you know to the best start either. And you know, I just I kind of just f- feel my but I kind of I came in kind of aggressive, like you know, talking. Hey, nah, we ain't doing this this way. We're doing it this way. Hey, we got to lock in, focus that shoot around, stop playing around, calling people out. Hey, man, chill out, man. We can't do this. So you fuckers looking at me crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I know he ain't coming here with all that. You know, these some little young studs. So they like, man, look, hold on. So when they started to see that I was all about team and all about winning, I remember Scott Brooks used to run the first play for me every single uh, to start the game. Yep. He'll perk. On the block, what you going to do with it? Russ used to cut hard to the basket. Guess what I used to do? Ah, here you go, Russ, hand it off to him, layup. And then they started saying, like, man, hold on, man. This guy's all about winning. That's all he's about. Mm-hmm. So, like, I had to get their trust. I had to build their trust. And, and I wasn't going to stop. Like, I was the same person every day. I worked hard. And they was just like, okay, okay, that's the big bro right there. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Harden as one of those young studs. Did you think he'd be this good? Because I mean, he was, when he was on Thunder, he was obviously a really good player, Sixth Man of the Year, contributed to a team that went to the finals, and then he becomes the best scorer in the NBA and a guy that you know, frankly, changed the league when he be, when he got his own team. Did you think he'd be this good? You know, after the let's say, what was what was your reaction to the trade? And then, did you think he would be this good? Well, here's the thing. I always knew James was going to be good. Like, I thought the sky was the limit for him. I watched him too many times come off the bench for us and give us 40s off the bench. He Mm -hmm. was getting 40 pieces off the bench, sharing the same court with Russ and Kevin Durant. And, you know, it was during the time when we played the Dallas Mavericks, and I remember he erupted for like 24 points in the fourth quarter or something like that and went off. And when you do something to that caliber, a light switch hits and says, you know what? This kid is special. Mm -hmm. And I know that. I watched him. I watched how he worked out. I watched his work habits. And when James got traded, he, I was like, this is probably the best thing that's going to happen for James Harden. Because he needed his own team. Despite whatever, however people want to look at it and say, oh, man, the Thunder should have kept this squad together. No. James Harden needed his own team, and he proved it. Like, we wouldn't have seen this James Harden today if he would have stayed up under Russ and Kevin Shadows. Mm -hmm. So I think everything happened for a reason. At that time, that core was too young to hold together. Like, you know, guys would – you got to understand, man, um, before a lot of big threes was formed, guys had already accomplished everything individually yep. that they needed to accomplish. You know, guys want to make the all-star games. Guys want to be all NBAs, MVPs, defense, et cetera. The list goes on for us. Sometimes 
championships don't come together till later in guys' careers when mm-hmm. they join, and that's the only thing they need to put on a resume is a championship. Yep. Yeah. So, do you think it would have worked? Let's let's say the Thunder give him because a lot of people would say, "Oh, they didn't give him the full max," is why he wanted to be gone, and there's probably a list of reasons why. Um, one, do you think that that's the case? And then two. Uh, do you think that team could have functioned had they stuck together? Well, here's the thing. The Thunder offered him $65 million. He turned it down and went and got an $80 million contract with Houston. So at the end of the day, like I said, the money didn't play a part. It was that James needed his own team. Mm-hmm. It was just that simple. He needed his own team. Now, if James would have sacrificed and stayed, of course they could have made it work. Like you, you, you. How can you not make it work when you have three guys like that that's that damn talented? Of course it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. Russ, James, and KD. Like you got these guys for the next three or four years locked in. Yeah, it's gonna work. But it couldn't have worked. Like James needed his own team. Yeah. Like James Harden made so much money and he he got so much accomplished outside of having his own team. I mean, you know, of having his own team, excuse me, think about it. MVPs, all-stars, max money. Mm -hmm. You were talking about 100 million plus in in NBA earnings, 100 million plus in shoe earnings, uh, body armor, all this, all this. He was getting all this. He would have never got that if he would have stayed in Oklahoma City. Yeah, from one star to another, 2016, the summer of 2016, you weren't on the Thunder, but did you have any idea Kevin was going to leave Oklahoma City? And then what was your reaction when he did? Well, no, I, I didn't. I never thought that KD was going to leave. But, you know, if he did when he left, I wasn't mad at him for leaving. Like, at the end of the day, it's his decision. He's a grown man. And at the time, Kevin and I were real close friends and we were talking and I never asked him once about what he planned on doing in free agency or nothing to that nature. All I did was tell him, hey, man, do something for KD. Do what makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy, do it. Forget what anybody else thinks on how I feel, the world feel. Do what makes Kevin Durant happy. So that was my advice, just from forget basketball, but from a friend, a brother to a brother. Mm-hmm. You and Kevin got into it a little bit on Twitter. It was actually the night that Russ returned to OKC early on this season. You and you and Kevin still still good. Kind of what take us behind that a little bit that Twitter interaction. I mean, you know, I tweeted. Listen, I was going on ESPN and I tweeted how I felt. Um, you know, it was Russ coming back to Oklahoma City, and they asked me, "What did Russ rank for us in all time Thunder history?" Mm-hmm. And to me. He's the greatest player in Thunder history. Is he the best player to ever put on the Thunder jersey? No. That's completely too that's too yeah. completely like totally completely that's different conversations. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you talk about the greatest player, it's Russell Westbrook. He leads the franchise in damn near all categories <laughs> yep. statistically. Yep. All the triple doubles, MVP, I mean, all this matters. Is he the best player? No, Kevin Durant's the best player in Thunder history, mm-hmm. but he's not the greatest. It's the same thing when you look at Toronto. In my eyes, Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor of all time. Yep. Is he the best player? No, but he's the greatest Raptor. That's, that's too, you know. And so at the end of the day, 
KD thought that I was shooting a jab at him, which yeah. I wasn't. I'm just praising right. Russell Westbrook on his day. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's not about KD. I'm not even beefing with you. I'm praising Russell Westbrook on his day. So when he decides to shoot a – so then one reporter who I'm cool with, he commented and said, well, uh, Russell never got out of the first round, et cetera, et cetera. I said, KD never got out of the second round with Russ without Russ, what are you trying to prove here? Like, right. I wasn't shooting a slug at KD. I'm actually explaining to him that they basically both needed each other to get where they were trying to go, yep. to get what they were trying to get accomplished. And so KD chimes in, and, you know, then the Twitter beef starts. But, like, right now, hey, man, you know, I have no ill will towards KD. It was a dumb Twitter beef. It happens. It was just grown men speaking their mind at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm over it. I don't hold grudges, and it is what it is. Yep. No, I hear you. Uh, 2013, you guys are heading into the playoffs. In my opinion, best team in the NBA. Patrick Beverly collides with Russell Westbrook, and Westbrook's out for the rest of the playoffs. Did you guys think you are going to win the title going into that into the start of that 2013 playoffs. And I guess my next question is, do you think that really injuries are the only thing that held you guys back from actually winning the title? Um, You know, I thought that year we were going to win the title. I thought we was the best team in basketball. I thought we had the best duo in sports in Russ and Katie. I thought they were on the tab finally learning how to play with, with one another. And, you know, injuries happen. And see, that's all it is is a wake-up call to all GMs that you have to be great 1 through 12. Or not great, but you have to be good in order to win a title. Like, yep. Because the great Tim Duncan always said, like, 20% of winning the title is luck. Like, you, you know, think about it. If, if the Warriors were healthy last year, would Toronto would have won the championship? We all probably disagree, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay, so at the end of the day, you have to you have to stack your team where in case someone's get hurt that you have another guy to step right in. Now, can you replace Russell Westbrook? Hell no. That's <laughs> that's crazy to even think. But you know, injuries happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, was it a cheap shot by Pat Bell? Who knows? I mean, you know, I'm not gonna say it wasn't, I'm not gonna say it was, but you know, we never know. But at the end of the day, you have to get strong with your bench in order to make a title run. And it's just, you know, we just ain't have enough. You know, we needed both of those guys. If Kevin would have got hurt, it would have been the same result. So at the end of the day, you need both of your stars healthy. That's why you need to look. Health is everything. Mm-hmm. A player that you kind of got to bring under your wing, another one, Steven Adams. What what were your first impressions of Steven the person? And then do you watch him today and, and see him do things and say, I taught him that like that that's something that i taught him so if anybody every everyone who knows me know i got this competitive edge so i'm like i'm sitting at home i'm like oh, okay y'all drive y'all drafted the center right yeah. all right cool <laughs> all right we'll see so i didn't talk to them for the whole summer i come in like right after labor day i see this big ox right so i'm looking at him then i walk in the weight room and he's tossing up these hundred pound dumbbells so I'm like, man, whatever. I didn't seen this before. So we get on the court, and I hit him with an elbow. Ooh, in his chest. He was like, ooh, that was a good one, mate. Come down, try to crab dribble him, try to get to the hook. I can't move him. 
fast break goes, he take off running. I'm like, this motherfucker fast. <laughs> so I'm like, man, hold on, man. I got some work to do. So I already seen it coming. Mm-hmm. I saw it coming. It was real high on Steven. I, you know, I was hearing all of the talk, you know, this, that, and the other. So I was all right with it. So, you know, sooner or later, I just started teaching them. I started mm-hmm. teaching them little tricks. You know, hey, man, how to do this. How to, you know, set a hold-up screen. Hold your man up. Let Russ run by you. Dunk it. You know what I'm saying? Just little tricks like that. I watched Steven today, and he's one of my favorite players in the league. Yeah. And every time I watch him and every time he, he do what I know Steven Adams could do, I, I'm doing this. Yep. Great job. Good job. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> nah, because to me, people don't value what he could do. He's strong. Yeah. He's super fast. He's a freak of nature. Um, he's very intelligent. He could switch one through five. He can anchor a defense. He set great screens, roll hard. Steven Adams is an underrated center that don't get a lot of credit. And a lot of things that he does doesn't show up in the box score, but mm-hmm. he is winning plays. Yeah. No question. Uh, you have any funny or strange stories about Steven? No, just the one where he was telling me, like, in the summertime, how he goes in the forest and go hunts for wild hogs with a with a damn knife, no shoes on. Like, can you imagine this big 7-foot, 270-pound dude running through the forest looking like something off of, uh, what's that movie called, uh, with the lady, who uh, the cartoon is it Milan? Nah, Mulan? that ain't it, right? Huh? That's it? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's a cartoon like with a lady. Yeah. Character, that big character on the boat with the tat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Back with the right? You know what I'm saying? That's yep. the Navels, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of talented players that came through Oklahoma City as well that didn't work out. You know, like the Perry Jones, Jeremy Lamb, Mitch McGarry, even Byron Mullins. Were were you surprised that any of those guys didn't work out? No, because I've been there. I seen. I, I saw it before. I seen this story. Um, they have this saying, man. You know, Jeremy Lamb actually did work out. I just yeah. think. I just thought that the Thunder ran out of patience. I mm-hmm. thought Scott Brooks ran out of patience with Lamb. Mm-hmm. I actually really love Jeremy Lamb still to this day. Um, but, you know, it happens, man. You know, throughout, a, throughout my 14-year career, I watched and I tried to preach to certain guys, hey, man, this is how you, you should go about things. Um, you know, they had it saying that it's hard to get to the NBA. It's even harder to stay in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, you got to watch guys, see what time they're arriving to practice. Are they there first? Are they getting extra work in? You know, um, are they doing things that they supposed to be doing outside of basketball? These are the things that you have to keep your eye on. And you could, tell, you could keep preaching to a person, keep preaching. But one thing I know about the NBA, the NBA keeps moving. It don't matter who's out, who's in. Think about it. Jordan retired. NBA kept going. The great Kobe Bryant retired. The NBA kept going. Tim Duncan, KG, the list goes on. The NBA just keeps moving, and they find the next group of guys. There's 60 new guys coming in every summer Mm -hmm. to take your spot. And, I mean, it's just what it is, man. It's what it is. And so, you know, guys that didn't work out, sometimes it's too late, but then sometimes you need that one or two years that you got to go overseas or – a team not ringing your call, your phone, and you got to humble yourself and go to the G League. Like some people need that shit. You watch Gerald Green; it happened to him. Mm-hmm. First round, I think he went lottery. 
went to Boston, didn't work out, had to go overseas, had to go different routes, and all of a sudden he found out that, hey, I got to do this to make it in the league, and it happens. Yeah. So the Thunder brought in Karan Butler that he kind of he took Jeremy Lamb's spot on the team. Do you think so? You think the Thunder should have just tried to keep pushing Jeremy at that point instead of bringing well, somebody else? Well, now nah, because anytime you got a chance to get a vet, and if you if you don't see growth in a young man like as you expected, you can't risk it. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you can't risk going into a postseason when it's championship or bust for your team. And once you see a guy like CB on the radar, you got to go snag him up. There's no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind. You got to go get him. Yep. Uh, okay. So you played with a ton of great players throughout your NBA career. Uh, let's say hypothetically you were playing on a three-on-three team and you had to choose two of your teammates in their prime to play with you on a three-on-three tournament. Who would you pick? Give me KG... Russ, oh, I just got. Two. You just got two, yeah. No, nah, but you gotta have a sub. Yeah, you get a sub. You yeah. Always get a sub. yeah, we'll give you a sub. So I'm, I'm gonna put myself on the bench. Okay. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go LeBron, Russ, and KG, yeah. and I'm putting myself on the bench. Wow, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, so you went from a 27 point per game score in high school. You're the man. And then you go to the NBA where you have to make a pretty big adjustment. People don't realize, like, that year that KG was out, if you go and look at those stats in the playoffs, first of all, that year, mm-hmm. I was, before before the All-Star break, I was I was averaging, like, 14 and 10. Yeah. Like, I, I just barely missed the All-Star game and got beat out by Al Horford. Mm-hmm. And that year, if you go and look at my postseason stats that year when we played the Bulls in Orlando Magic, yep. you know I was like a walking double-double and leading the postseason in block shots. Mm-hmm. So I was really hitting my stride. But at the point, Doc Rivers did the best thing ever for my career. He was like, Perk, it's okay to be who you are. You are a defensive anchor, a rim protector, a rebounder. Um, you said great screens. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. You can have a long career being who you are. And I accepted who I was, and I accepted my role. And not only did it bring me a championship, but it bought me 14 years in the NBA when the average year span is three and a half to four years. Mm-hmm. So, like, I accepted, and I was a star in my role. I blocked out all the outside noise, and I was who I was. I was Kendrick Perkins, and this is what I brought to the table. Yep. yep. And the Thunder fans loved you for that because before we, there was nobody really in the middle to be an enforcer. And in the Western Conference, you have Andrew Bynum, Pau Gasol, you have the guys in Memphis, you have Tim Duncan still. And the Thunder didn't really have anybody there. And then when. Well, well, Andrew, listen, the Thunder fans, they had to learn to love me because they was expecting something else. You remember, I remember like Jim. Or what's his name? Trabel, Trammel. Oh, please, please don't let Jim Traver be the one to represent us. Right, but I'm just saying he yeah. used to kill me. But yeah. they didn't understand who I was. They right. didn't understand what I brought to the table. Yeah. And sometimes it's too late. You miss a person when they're gone instead of appreciating the person when they're there. Yep. Like, you know, one thing I've learned 
since I retired that since I'm in the media world and I got to speak on people that it's okay to give people their flowers right now so they can smell them. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to, to sit down and say, you know what? Hey man, I appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you brought to the table. I appreciate your game, your, your hard work, whether it's in anything in life in general, people have a problem with giving people their roses so they can smell them. No, it's okay. It's okay. And what, what happens is, is that, you know, we, we start to look at, you know, it takes a situation like the great Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, who died mm-hmm. to, for us to start appreciating people and appreciate different things in life and appreciating NBA basketball. Like, take this for example. I was, I was having a debate with my cousin Quincy, right? Mm-hmm. And we always debate basketball. You know, he's one of those uh, uh, students of the game. And, you know, he was like, I was. we just brought up certain names, and he was like, man, that guy's a bum. And I had to stop him right there. I said, hold on. Let me tell you something. No one that's in the NBA is a bum. Right. Think about it. Right. They, they, they reached a level that no one else has. So that bum word, no, they might not be the best in the league, but if you catch this guy at a regular YMCA or rec league or something like that, it's going to tear your ass up. So there's no <laughs> bombs in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I love my time in OKC. I thought the fan base was great. The organization was great. When, like I always said, man, when you talk about Oklahoma City organization for the way that their culture, uh, when you talk about the strength and conditioning, their medical staff. I haven't been around a lot, but it's one of the best I've seen ever in my eyes. Like the technology, everything about them is just 100 to me. And I, you know, I have nothing but high praises for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Mr. Clay Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. love my time when I was there. My family enjoyed the time, except for being on a, a sports animal all the time, but it was okay. <laughs> Uh, okay rapid fire questions i just want you to give me maybe one or two thoughts from each of these moments okay um thoughts whenever you were traded to the thunder i cried didn't want to go uh thoughts i I was like okay i'm loving this okay (laughs) uh thoughts when gary payton asked you to buy him a bottle of patron at 2 a.m uh, mine went blank, didn't know what to think, just had to go do it. Thoughts when the Celtics traded for Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen in the summer of 2007? What the hell is going to happen with KG and myself? I was like, oh, shit, it's about to be some smoke at practice. <laughs> Thoughts in the Western Conference semifinals in 2014, Game 5, when Russ goes to the free throw line, you guys are down two against the Clippers. And Russ had gotten fouled by Chris Paul, and Russ steps up to the line with three shots. Daddy, this buckets. Yeah. This buckets. I know Russ. He's clutch, man. Listen, yeah. tell you, that boy, that boy, listen, his heart do not pump Kool-Aid, all right? It's straight <laughs> blood, blood flowing through it, through them veins. You understand? <laughs> oh, man. Last one. Thoughts when you are sitting on Mike Miller in the series against the Grizzlies, you guys kind of fall over and you end up sitting on top of him what are your thoughts as you're sitting on top of mike miller use this as a screen i was letting them i wanted whoever it was to get a wide open shot and i was taking a breather <laughs> from wrestling and banging with big Casal and zach randolph down low 
<laughs> I love it. Perk, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I know that Thunder fans appreciate you coming on uh, just to give them uh, an inside look at uh, what you went through in OKC and in Boston. So uh, we appreciate you. Anything that you want to plug um, going forward, anything that you're working on? Well, I mean, no, nah, not really. I mean, basically a lot of my stuff is done on my Twitter. Um, I, I keep people up to date with my Twitter about what's my next move for us in the media world. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just want everyone to be safe and let's get through this trying time. And, hey, follow directions. Yep. Stay your ass in the f***ing house, mm-hmm. okay? That's what I want to tell people so we could get through this, man. This, yep. You know, this stressing me out. We don't have no sports to watch. You know, I only could watch so many episodes of, you know, Chicago PD and Lifetime movies with my wife. So we got to get this shit right. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, thanks a lot, Perk. No problem.